It's uh, called Change My Heart, O oh God. You may have heard it. Um, that's kind of the theme that I or thought that God's put in my heart for today. And uh, I'd like just to prepare our hearts. And do you have the words up there yet for me? There we go. Change my heart, O oh God. Fill me with your spirit. Take away desires that draw me far from you. Whisper from your word. Help my heart to hear it. Fill me with desire to follow you. Change my heart, O oh God. Change my heart, O oh God. Fill me with your spirit. Take away desires that draw me far from you. Whisper from your word. Help my heart to hear it. Fill me with desire to follow you. No matter where you lead me, no matter how I'm tested, I believe you can help me grow and help me to obey. No matter where you lead me, no matter how I'm tested, I believe you can help me grow and help me to obey. Change my heart, oh God. Change my heart, oh God. Fill me with your spirit. Take away desires. Draw me far from you, Lord. Whisper from your word. Help my heart to hear it. Fill me with desire to follow you. Fill me with desire to follow you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word and your presence in this place. Lord, we thank you for hungry hearts. Thank you, for, Father, for you've brought us on a journey and you're taking us on one. You took us out to take us in. You have a purpose, a destiny for each person here, Lord, young or old, new in the Lord, old in the Lord, you have purpose, Lord. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't often get a title for a message before the message, but that happened to me this week. But I didn't get it into the bulletin fast enough. I'm working on that part. But the name for the message uh, the key word I like to share with you today is the word transformation. And I have a little phrase I want to say. It's, it's, it might be new to some of you, but see if you can say it with me, okay? Are you ready? Can you say that with me? Change, we can. Does that sound a little familiar or something? <laughs> can you say it again? Change, we can believe in. I even have a button to go along with it. See how original I am? Where's that button at? Uh-oh. How you like that? 
I tell you, how creative am I? Actually, the word can is what I want to change today. It's not change we can believe in. It's change we... Da-da-da-da, I need a drum roll or something. Here it comes. All right. Can you say that with me? Change we must believe in. Say it again. Change we must believe in. And the thing that, that the Lord's been putting on my heart and he's, uh, to share is, uh, that's why I brought this little map up here again today, is the fact that the, the, the purpose, what we see in God's Word, He had a people in the Old Testament. And the things in the Old Testament aren't just Sunday school stories. They're words of life. They, they have meaning for us. I understand in a Sunday school class, Pastor uh, Ron May is sharing uh, from Genesis. Is that right? Sharing from Genesis. And there's such richness there in the Old Testament. And so often we just kind of say, well, that's, you know, the Old Testament. You know, now we're in a New Testament. You know, Old Testament stuff I don't understand. But the fact is, this is a book of life. <laughs> maybe, maybe. It's a book of life. And it's for us today. This story, this journey that Israel went on from Egypt to Canaan, we see God has purpose for our lives. Um, like just to show you that there, there were basically three things that took place in Egypt. Maybe just pull this over just a little bit more here. There we go. Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, coming to Mount Sinai. Three separate, unique experiences that the Israelites, God's people in the Old Testament, uh, Israelites were descendants of Israel. He had 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, and they were in Egypt for about 400 years, and we've talked about this before, but the idea is that it was the blood of that lamb that allowed them to be free from the judgment of death. And that's good, but that wasn't the end. That wasn't the full purpose. The full purpose wasn't just for the blood to set them free from death. God allowed this to happen so that they could get out of Egypt. And God just didn't want them to run out of Egypt without purpose. He had a place He wanted to take them. You and I are on a journey. We're on a journey, and God has brought us out for a reason. It says in Deuteronomy 6.23, he brought us out that he might take us in. So they had to have the Passover lamb. The blood was provision to set them free from a judgment of death that came on everyone. How many thank God for our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ? Oh, there's power in the blood. I like what it says in Exodus 12. God says, uh, he was telling Moses, Moses, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. When God looks at your life, does he see the blood? Does he see the blood? Does he see the blood? Have you allowed Jesus to wash away your sins? And are you covered with that blood today? Are you a child of God? God says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. What an awesome thing to have our sins forgiven, washed away. But it doesn't end there. The next step was they needed to go through the Red Sea. They needed to get out of Egypt. And God brought them a specific way so that the only way they could get out was through the Red Sea. And it had to be parted completely. They went through on dry ground. You know the story. Pharaoh and his host buried in the Red Sea. And that speaks to us something very unique also. But the moment they came through on the other side, they knew they were no longer slaves to Pharaoh. They knew they were free. Then they came to Mount Sinai where God gave them written law on tables of stone, but that wasn't God's original purpose. His original purpose was for them to hear 
his voice. He spoke to them of Mount Sinai. How did God write the laws on tables of stone for Moses? How did he do that? With his very finger. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But they came to Mount Sinai. They got law. They got uh, plans to build the tabernacle. They also received marching orders, marching instructions. God created them into an army, a bunch of slaves that didn't know what they were doing, all of a sudden are transformed. That's the word we're using, transformation. Everybody say with me, change we must believe in. Oh, boy. This is my campaign today. We've got to work a little hard on that. Say it again. Change we must believe in. (laughs) Yes, God can. He can do it, right? Okay, you guys are too far back, right? All right. Mount Sinai. And then they changed into an, a tra- transformation that took place through these three experiences, enabled them to go into this land. God never intended for them to be in the wilderness wandering around. His purpose was to change them through these experiences to bring him here where greater change was going to take place. And these experiences relate to something in our lives. When we're born again, the blood covers us. When we're baptized in water, the Pharaoh of our life is buried. When we come to Mount Sinai, well, that's experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit where God writes His laws upon our heart. Beautiful, beautiful experiences. So God has a plan and a purpose, and it's to get us over here. He wants to see change in our life. How important is change? How important is it it to be transformed? I want you to think just for a minute of the very first miracle that Jesus did. Who remembers what it was? What was the first miracle that Jesus did? Water into wine. Now, he could have raised the dead. He could have you know, he could have uh, healed people from leprosy. He could have healed the sick. He could have done uh, more miracles of, with bread and fish. He could have done a lot of things as his first miracle. But he chose a very unique miracle. And there are several reasons why I think it's unique. First of all, it was at a wedding. And if you look in the Bible, Genesis starts with a wedding. Revelations ends with a wedding. Is that right? Where Jesus has his bride. How many want to be a part of the bride? Think about that. But another reason that the Lord kind of touched my heart with this past week is the fact that the miracle of changing water into wine, it was a miracle of transformation. And God wanted, uh, I think through that miracle, God is showing us how important it is to be changed, how important it is to be transformed, and what this Christian life is all about. It's not about coming to church, having our sins forgiven, yippee, hooray, the blood covers me, I'm free. And then just sitting in church for 40 years. That's not God's plan and purpose for our lives. He wants us to be changed. Change we must believe in. Can you say that with me again? Change we must believe in. He wants to transform us. You know, spiritual age doesn't have anything to do with years. Let me say that again. Our spiritual maturity doesn't have anything to do with years. Spiritual maturity has to do with change. Did you hear me? If we're not changing, if we're the same as before, if nothing is changing in our lives, there's no maturity. 
sometimes we don't even realize change has to take place. But it does. It really does. And the, the, the beauty of it we see in the Bible is that it's not you and I that can change ourselves. I like to put a scripture up. I don't know if you have it there, DJ, on the a, a list, but it's Jeremiah 13.23. Jeremiah 13.23. And it says this. It's a very interesting scripture. It says, let's see how. There we go. Can you read it with me? Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to evil. Can Ethiopian change his skin color or the leopard change his spots? What's the answer to that question? No. So can we change ourselves and make ourselves good? What's the answer? No. It's not possible. And yet if you go to, to uh, any, any bookstore uh, or any library, there's a whole section on self-help. How many have seen those sections of books? I mean, everybody has an idea. Everybody has a plan. Everybody has a six-step or a 10-step or 12-step plan. If you just do this, everything changes in your life. And, and if you just do these six steps, you can be a better person. But it's all about me helping myself. That doesn't change us. That doesn't bring about the change that God wants. And you know, this miracle that Jesus did, that's in John chapter 2. And it says when Jesus did that, his disciples trusted in him and believed upon him right there. What's interesting is the progression that goes on. And from John chapter 2, after doing that miracle in the first part of John chapter 2, the very next thing that Jesus does is he goes into the temple and he overturns all the tables. And, and in essence, we can say he took the established religion, he just turned it upside down. He said it doesn't work, it's not going to work, it's not what God wants. He turned it all upside down. And then a religious leader came to him right afterwards, Nicodemus, came to him by night, of course, and said, you know, we believe you're a, a teacher sent from God. Jesus said something about must. You must what? must be born again. Can you all say it with me again? Change we must believe in. And Nicodemus said, well, what is this born again stuff? That's something only God can do. You aren't born again. You know, nowadays that, that term born again is used for all kinds of things. People say a born again Muslim, born again, born again everything. It's just like a common word. It's lost its meaning. But there's only one real born again, and that's the one that God does. Can you say amen? It's the one that God does in our life. And Jesus told Nicodemus, all this religion, all these rules and regulations, it's never been what God wanted. What he wants is to change you on the inside. What he wants is transformation. What he wants is birth in our lives, being born of God. He wants transformation. Things miraculously have to happen. If we're ever going to get into the land, the purpose, the destiny God has for us, we need to be changed. This scripture up here is from 2 Corinthians 3. Let's read it together, okay? But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. By the, Bible, by the way, the Bible... The Bible says that God's word is like a glass or like a mirror. That's a King James word for mirror. The Bible is God's mirror. What would we do if we didn't have a mirror in our house? Well, suppose all of a sudden all mirrors just evaporated. How many of you would come to church today? <laughs> you would, I can't find a mirror. I don't know what I... We'd be scared, wouldn't we? Well, spiritually, we need a mirror, don't we? Something that we can see and we can adjust things. 
according to what we see here. But we're going to talk about how that really happens. But we're beholding the glory of the Lord. And what happens when we behold the glory of the Lord as in the glass? What happens to us? We are changed. And what are we changed into? A better, a better me? Is that what it says? No. God doesn't want to make a better you. He, he doesn't want a better Jerry. I mean, a, I mean, a better David, a better Jerry, that would make the whole world better, I think. But that's not his end. He's not trying to make a better Jack or a better Tom. He's not trying to make better people out of us. What does he want to change us into? What's it say? Look, we're changed into the same image. And how is it happening? Well, it happens from glory to glory. We're looking at the glory of the Lord, and we're changed from glory to glory into the same image. And how is it taking place? By the Spirit of the Lord. You see, the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's not an option. It's not like extras that God has for you. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, water baptism is not like, well, you know, maybe some people need it and some people don't. You know, if you're really, really bad, well, you better get baptized and start. It's not like that. Jesus commanded his disciples to go forth, make disciples of all nations, doing what to them? Baptizing them. Oh, right in the Great Commission, baptism was there because it's necessary. It's a requirement. Peter told Cornelius, he commanded Cornelius to get baptized. He didn't say, okay, Cornelius, now that, you know, you've had this experience and with us here in my message and all that, um, you know, just let me know. Call me up if you want to get baptized one day. That's not what Peter told Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He commanded Cornelius to get baptized. What do you think? Is it necessary? Yes, because we have a purpose. We have a journey we're, we're going on. We're trying to get someplace in what God has for us. The Holy Spirit's necessary. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Just like on the day of Pentecost, which is really the anti-type of what took place right here on Mount Sinai where God gave them law with his finger upon tables of stone. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God puts his laws in our heart. He writes them by his finger. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is all about comparing the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, with the New Covenant. That's what that whole chapter is all about. And when it talks about uh, uh, the, uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's not talking about liberty to do whatever you want. You know, just jump. I got liberty. I can do it. No, that's not the liberty it's talking about. It's the liberty to be changed because it comes right before this verse. Can you say it with me again? Change we must believe in. Okay, we'll learn to shout later on. I'll give some, give some classes on that. You know, this is so important to understand because we can go from year to year to year and stay the same. Is change important or is it just like, well, you know, I, you know, I can hardly wait to get to heaven. That way all my problems go away and whew, by and by, sweet by and by, I'll be changed. Twinkling of an eye, when Jesus comes, all those miserable things in my life just disappear and I'm all perfect all of a sudden. It's not the, that's not what that verse says. It doesn't say, boom, all of a sudden when Jesus comes, we're all perfect. That's not what it says. That's talking about now. That's talking about here. That's talking about our journey. It's talking about where God wants to take us from glory to glory now. He wants to change us. Do you believe in that change? Not change we can believe in, but change what well, we better believe in. Oh, we'll miss what God has for us as Christians. 
<clears throat> this, when Jesus turned over things, and I, when I saw that <clears throat> that took place right after he did the miracle of transformation of water to wine, and I saw the very next thing he did was upset all the religious. You need to understand something about the old covenant. The old covenant was perfect. I mean, there were laws, and you have to understand, the laws that God gave Israel were good laws. Do you understand that? It wasn't like, well, you know, God, you know, he tried, he tried something, but it didn't work. How many know God never tries something? God is God. He does things on purpose. Do you believe me? That's what the word says. He does things on purpose. It wasn't like, well, God, just, well, let's just try out a bunch of laws and see if that'll straighten everybody out. No, there was a purpose, and the purpose was this, to show that even with all the best that God can give us and all the laws, and that was a, a nation that had all the government given directly by God. No other nation like that. This is a great nation we live in. America is a great nation. We celebrated last week the awesome things, men of God that, that wrote the Constitution and the things that they declared. It's an awesome country we live in, but it's not a government given by God. The Israelites had their government given directly by God. It wasn't Moses' idea. God gave it to me. It was perfect. And yet with the most perfect of rules and regulations and laws, you think the people would know God by that. It didn't work, did it? It didn't work. And it wasn't going to work because it's not knowing that changes us. It's experiencing that changes us. In the garden, there were two trees. There was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That didn't help Adam and Eve out very much, did it? Did it? But there was the tree of life. That's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. And what God is trying to show us is that we can't change ourselves. We can't do it. It's what the gospel is all about. But the gospel is all about change, about transformation. In fact, the word used for change, the Greek word is metamorpho, which means it's where we get our word metamorphosis in English. The transformation from a tadpole to a frog and so on. I'll show you some pictures in just a little bit. But I want you to think understand something today, that, that all the self-help books, all the stuff we can try to learn and teach ourselves is not going to work the transformation in our lives. You know, I, uh, when I was in India, there, uh, one of the things that people sell on the streets, and people are selling everything everywhere there, you know, they, they want to get as, you know, that's how they make their living. It's just little kids out there selling from the moment they can walk around or trying to sell something. But one of the things they would sell a lot, there was uh, little, little carved things and things that made out of sandalwood. Anybody know what sandalwood smells like? It's kind of like cedarwood. Cedarwood has a smell that stays, doesn't it? It, lasts a long, it just lasts a long time. Sandalwood's like that, too. A very strong scent. It's a tree. It's a very strong scent that just stays there. But it's also very expensive and costly. So what they do over there, there's, they don't have any you know, government rules about these things. So they can do what they want. But they'll take other pieces of wood that look like sandalwood but don't smell like it, and they'll take pieces of that wood, and they'll put it next to or lie it next to real sandalwood and leave it there for days or months or however long it takes until that artificial, that, that wood that's not sandalwood, all of a sudden it starts to smell like sandalwood. And they make their little things out of it and they sell it and you smell it there, you know, you get it from the little kid and you pay them, you know, 
$10 or whatever, you know, and you got this little thing I'm going to take home and show my, my sandalwood. I got real sandalwood from India. I'm going to show my friends and family. And you put it in your suitcase and you come home, you take it out. You go, look, sandalwood, see how it smells? It smells like the old clothes in my suitcase. It's lost its smell because it didn't originate inside the wood. And as Christians, we can take on the scent. See, if I, if I hang around Jack long enough, I'll, you know, it'll rub off on me. <laughs> but I won't be Jack inside of me. Hanging around, we can start to smell like others, but only God can change the nature. Can an Ethiopian change his spots or, or a leopard his spots and Ethiopian his skin? No. Only God can do that. And that's the purpose, especially of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. With the, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, the whole purpose of God's Spirit coming to dwell inside of us is not for some kind of call to mission work or, or for gifts and healings. That's there too. Those signs shall follow those who believe. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is about God putting His laws within us. I want to take you to some, uh, to, first of all, to Jeremiah 48, verse 11. And I want to show you how important change is. That's what we were singing this morning. Change my heart, O oh God. Change me, Lord. Some of, some of you might be saying, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I've been like this forever. My great-grandfather, my mom, my dad. That's the way I was raised. That's the way I was taught. That's just the way I be. Deal with it. That's not the, that's not the journey God has us on. God wants to change us. He wants to change us. Jeremiah, do we have it 48, verse 11? Jeremiah 48, verse 11. Oh, I like this verse. It takes us back to this picture that we have of the miracle of change, changing water to wine. Can you read it with me, please? Moab hath been at ease from his youth, and he hath settled on his lees. I'll explain that in just a minute. He hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel, neither hath he gone into captivity. Therefore his taste remained in him, and his scent or his smell is not changed. The picture that the prophet has given us here about Moab, and I think it applies to any of us as well, is that just like this, when you're making wine, from what I have been told, uh, I haven't made any wine recently. Uh, anybody here make wine? You're afraid to raise your hands, aren't you? <laughs> oh, well. But uh, what I've been told is that when you make wine, you need to change the wine from vessels. After it's been put in the bottle, uh, there's sediment that goes to the bottom. That's called the lees. Or the verse disappeared on me. Can you keep it back? Keep it up there, DJ? I just thank you. Uh, the lees or the dregs or the, the sediment. And what happens is that the, the, the wine sitting on that, for too long, the wine picks up a bitter taste from it. That's why you got to change it. You let it settle, and you change it. You let it settle, and then you change it. That's what I understand takes place. But that's the picture we have here, whether it applies directly to wine or whatever else. But the idea is that when, that, when change hasn't taken place, we begin to have a scent, a smell that doesn't change. Okay, get close to the person next to you and go, <laughs> check them out. Check yourself out. <laughs> Do I still smell like myself or is there another? You know, you can put all the perfumes on you want and we can cover up the real scent. I mean, you can, like you eat garlic, you're going to smell like garlic. 
You can have a hundred, you can be eating breath mints all day long, you're going to smell like garlic, right? When it's inside, God wants to change us. Sometimes we need to do a breath test. <laughs> we need to check ourselves out. We need to look in the Word. This is, what, this is what it's all about. It's not about learning how to change ourselves. It's all about the change that God wants to do. And the way He does it is by showing us how we're different than Christ, how there's things in our life. And that's, that's this whole picture of Canaan. Oh, this is, a, this is a beautiful thing to look at in God's word. There were seven nations in the land of Canaan. Seven nations. And God said, listen, they are greater and mightier than you. Well, what kind of hope does that give you? If you know you're, God's taking you there and the nations there are greater and mightier, that doesn't leave you any hope. Except in God. Amen? Can you all say with me again, change we must believe in? Yeah, and only God can do this. And so he says, listen, this is the way it's got to be, and you need to understand something. There were lots of nations that Israel fought against. There were a lot of battles that took place. But the seven nations in this land, they were different. Read it. You can see it in Scripture. Uh, They were different than the other nations. The way Israel had to deal with those, the nations that lived in this land, they had to be dealt with differently. The other nations, they could take spoil, they could leave the women and children alive, but these seven nations had to be totally destroyed. They had to be uh, eliminated completely with cattle and nothing could be taken. They had to be dealt with differently. These seven nations, and it's a study all by itself, each one of those nations speaks about stuff inside of us that we inherited from Adam, stuff that's there that God wants to deal with us about. He wants to change us. He wants to transform us. And sometimes we don't like it. You know, when I was, uh, before I got saved, I, I, you know, I, I saw that there was stuff in me I didn't like, and I didn't know how to deal with it. So I went to the self-help section of the library, and I found the best book, The Power of Positive Thinking. Oh, boy. And, and, and there was a little phrase, and you, ha- you had to learn to say certain things every day, you know, and I can, I can, I know I can, and, you know, and, you, and you, there's a little phrase they wanted you to repeat every morning when you get into, you wake up, you go and you find the mirror in the bathroom, and you go, every day and every way I'm getting better and better, and you smile for 15 minutes, <laughs> you see, and, and everything's supposed to change in your life. Well, do you think anything changed? I got more wrinkles from smiling, maybe, but, but the thing is, that's all external. And, you know, there are lots of, a lot of sometimes we, we need some external changes, too. We need things uh, to, to just change. Maybe we've learned bad habits. We need to learn, we need sometimes just to be taught different things. That's okay. But here's the problem, is that that's not changing what's inside. Only God can touch the inside of you. Can you say Amen. Only God can do that. You can't. We can't change ourselves. We can change the exterior, but only God can change what's inside. That's what the new covenant is all about. Oh, and the new covenant is exciting when you read it. And I like to go to Jeremiah 31, starting with verse 31. Easy to remember. Jeremiah 31, 31. This is specifically where God says, I'm going to make a new covenant. Now, we say New Testament, Old Testament, Testament, Covenant, it's the same word. 
So, so uh, the, but God said, I'm going to make a new covenant, and let's just read this together. These are powerful words, and if you do any marketing in your Bible, you should mark it down and, and realize this is the new covenant that God is working with us. Now, let me, let me just keep it there for a second. Uh, the old covenant started at Mount Sinai. Let me say that again. It didn't start here with the Passover. It didn't start at Red Sea. The old covenant started at Mount Sinai, where God gave them the Ten Commandments and all the other laws. That was the old covenant. It started here. The new covenant is the same way. We enter into the fullness of the new covenant right there at that experience, our Mount Sinai experience, our Pentecost experience, our receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We enter into the fullness of the promises of God there. And this is what it says in Jeremiah 31. Let's read it together. Behold, the days come. That's the days we're living in now. Saith the Lord that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Well, you and I belong to that too now through Christ. Can you say amen? Next verse, verse 32. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. Now verse 33. Look at the new covenant. Look at the provision that's there. Look at this. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I, what's, this is God saying he's going to do it. Read it. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and be their God and they shall be my people. The next verse, please. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them, from the greatest of them, saith the Lord, and so on. So this new covenant provision is not just salvation from hell. The new covenant provision is far more than that. It's about God writing stuff inside of us by the Holy Spirit. That's change. From glory to glory, that's change. Change we can or we must believe in. That's change. That's the gospel. That's the power of salvation. Not just to escape, but to go unto what God has for us here. Power of change. <clears throat> and go with me to Ezekiel 36. Mark this in your Bible also because these are powerful words. Ezekiel, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in chapter 36 and verse 25, starting with 25. Very good. I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Thank God for the blood that cleanses us. Amen. Next verse. <clears throat> A new, I'll read this with me, please. This is powerful. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And now look what he's going to do in verse 27. <clears throat> Read this with me. And I will put my spirit. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit right there. I'm going to put my spirit within you. And what's going to happen then? Read it with me. And cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. It's not a matter of learning how to be a Christian and trying to do best we can. No. So much of our teaching is like that sometimes. So much of our, uh, our preaching, or that's the way we receive it. Oh, they're just telling me more things to do. Pastor says we got to do this. Sunday school teacher says we got to do that. And it just becomes more a list of things. 
That's not the purpose of sharing God's word. The purpose of sharing those things that God wants us to do, which we do need to do, it's called the foolishness of preaching, but we do need to do it. We do need to share it, and here's the reason why. Because then we can find out what needs to change, and then we can let God do the changing. That's the difference. The problem we have sometimes even in ministry is thinking that somehow if I can just speak the right words and I can just tell them the right stuff and I can tell them what to do and I can tell them when to do it, uh, it'll, it'll be the best ministry in the world. I will have accomplished great things. No, you'll be no more different than Moses. And Moses didn't even make it in the promised land. What a miserable way. But that's not what the purpose of ministry is today. It's not to take Moses' place. We're here to share the word but to let the Holy Spirit write it on the inside. Can you say amen to that? Beautiful, beautiful promises. He wants to change us. He wants to transform us. He wants to give us a totally new scent, a totally new smell. God can do that. God and only God can do that. I like to put some a uh, few things up here on 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 the uh, screen here, uh, the PowerPoint, please, and uh, just show you metamorphosis. I know you've probably seen this before, but I want to, I want you to see it in the light of the new covenant. God has given us the miracle in nature. You can go to the next screen. The miracle in nature of things transforming so entirely, com- so completely different that you can't even recognize one with the other. I don't even know how the, the parent frog, you can show the next, bring on down. I don't even know how the parent frog recognize. Can, can, you, <laughs> can you, what would happen if our little babies looked like that? You know, we, <laughs> here's my little baby got tail and he, you have to keep him in water all the time. It's, oh, ain't she cute? <laughs> what, a, what an interesting situation. God has put something in nature to show us that He can make the change in our lives. The key is only God can write inside of us. We can't do it to ourselves, and nobody else can do it to us. Only God, only God, through His Word and by the Spirit. The tadpole, what's it change into? You all know the story, but watch the transformation here. There's a, that's a, probably a bullfrog tadpole. It's pretty big. Next one. There we go. Watch the change. Hind legs appear, but still that tadpole needs to be in water because it has gills like a fish. It breathes an entirely different kind of atmosphere, so to speak. Then, all of a sudden, the next slide, the front legs appear, and I think at this point is when the lungs are actually developing. And finally, what's it turn into? That lovable creature that all the women want to kiss to find a... Well, actually, the next one's a little cuter than this one. I found a cuter frog, just in case. Right? Miracle tadpole to the frog. But let me show you the next one. This is my favorite one, and this is the, the butterfly. Well, in this case, it's actually the caterpillar to a moth, but a very similar process, okay? Next screen. Okay, you can go to the next one, too, slowly. Okay, now watch this. I got something to show you guys. Um, we caught something on camera. I don't know who we is, but whoever we is, we caught it on camera. I want to show you what it is. We caught a Christian, look at this, trying to be like Jesus in his own strength. I want to show you what he looks like. There he is. What's that butterfly? Can you see what's on that butterfly? Artificial 
wings. <laughs> it's just a pretend picture. That I thought, when I saw that, I thought, boy, how many of us are doing that? Our, you know, we're trying to be a butterfly. It's not going to work. Only God can change us. This butterfly, try, you can put the artificial wings, you see it up there. Uh, the next few slides real quick, or the next few uh, parts of that, there you go. Artificial wings, and there it is. Say, I can, I think I can. If I just think more positively, I'm sure I can fly. At least that's what the book tells me. <laughs> you know, we can do all that. And the fact is, some people have been successful with certain kinds of things. They've had outward success. And the biggest problem, let me tell you, the biggest problem with being successful with your 10 steps or whatever they be. So you, you have your 10 steps and it's changed your way of living and now you're prosperous and now you can start having seminars and you can start going around telling people the 10 steps that can give them prosperity and health and, and change their life. The 10 steps, you can do all of that. But what happens? You've done it yourself. Who takes the pride? And that's another problem. How to get rid of pride God has solved the pride problem at the cross. He's made it evident that no man can do it. Salvation, and not just salvation by the blood only, but the whole plan of salvation is not by works, but by grace through faith. Not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. God's taken away all boasting by bringing us into a new covenant that only he can do. All right, let's look at the inter- an interesting caterpillar here. Hmm. That one's called the hickory horn devil. That's the name scientists give it, at least the common name. It eats hickory leaves, sycamore leaves, and walnut leaves. And uh, it's the hickory horn devil. Go to the next one. Isn't he cute? Look at that. All right, next one. Oh, and you see those horns? Of course, that's why it's called hickory horn. They're not poisonous. They're actually probably more gentle than most. Has anybody ever seen a hickory horn devil? All right, they're, they're here in Ohio. You just got to get right out for them. Might be a few here in the church too. I'm not sure. Um, has horns. Did you notice my scary horns? Don't even think about asking me to help in Sunday school. <laughs> you know, we can pound on people. You gotta help out. What's wrong with you people? Why don't you get involved? And why are you just only Sunday? We can, we can knock on people and push on people and get them and you gotta get involved. We can, we can get everybody all stirred up to do stuff. But if God hasn't done the work in their heart, it's all in vain. The Bible says one day we're going to stand before Christ and our works are going to have to be passed through fire, whether it's wood, hay, and stubble, stuff that we've just done ourselves, or whether it's gold, silver, and precious stones, the work that only God can bring about. We can't change people, but God can. When we speak His Word and let the Holy Spirit work, God is the one who changes. And look what this hickory horn devil turns into. Oh, I like this. The hickory horn devil turns into the royal walnut moth. Think about this. The entire diet of that caterpillar has changed. 
Its mouth has changed. The caterpillar only has a mouth for eating, just eating, eat. That's all it does from day to night. It eats and eats and eats and eats. Uh, basically, that, that, that hickory horn devil eats for about 50-some days the moment it's, it comes out. And, and it, then it buries itself in the ground. It doesn't do a cocoon. It buries itself in the ground. And the following, winter, following spring, it crawls out as the royal walnut moth. And even if that moth wanted to eat leaves, it couldn't because it doesn't have any eating parts. All it has is like a, a long straw. I don't even know. What, what do you call that? The pro, pro, I can't. Probiscus, something like that. And that's all they can do is suck from flowers. How many would like to have a mouth change like that? <laughs> Sometimes our mouth bites a lot of people, doesn't it? You know, this thing of church, it's a family. You don't pick your family members, do you? And many times God has people in the church for a reason. He has people around you for a reason. He's given you a wife for a reason, a husband for a reason, because God wants to deal with something inside. Many, so often we're, our prayers are, oh, you know, we come and say, oh, please pray. Pray God will change my husband. God just has to change that man. But who's the one who may really need to be changed? It's us. Let me tell you how this change takes place. Go to the next screen, too, just to have it up there. You can go through all the points there. But uh, the best story in the Bible of change is the story of Jacob because there's a beautiful truth that's revealed. You know, we read that verse in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, but we all with open face. That's a key. And it starts off the story of Jacob in Genesis 32. We don't need to turn there, but read it when you get a chance. It starts off by saying, and Jacob was left alone. See, that's the time when God begins to deal with us. Sometimes there are situations where we're left alone and we have to face up with stuff. But we all with open face, taking the veils off. We bring our Christian veils to church sometimes, don't we? You know, we're in the car, we're shouting at our kids, and gotta be quiet and husband like talking like that for and coming to church. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, it's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord today, you know. We have our veils sometimes. Well, you know, it's probably good we do because we'd scare half the people around us if we didn't. We may need a few veils. But the fact is, come before God open-faced, not pointing at other people. Well, my life wouldn't be so messed up if it wasn't for her, or it wasn't for him. Or, Boy, if that person wasn't in the church, it would be a better place than you can imagine. Oh, and that, none of that stuff works. God has a purpose of putting you in situations, putting me in situations he wants to change us. Can you say with me, change we must believe in? Change we must believe in. And what happens is, is, is the story of Jacob, he's left alone, and it says a man came and wrestled with him, or we're told in Hosea that was actually an angel. I don't know what it's like to wrestle an angel, but boy, Jacob was determined to wrestle. And they wrestled and wrestled. Finally, the angel stops and says, tell me your name. Now, how many of you think that God sent an angel all the way down from heaven to wrestle with Jacob and God forgot to tell the angel what that guy's name was? 
Do you think the angel didn't know Jacob's name? He goes, what's your name? I, maybe I got the wrong guy. Man, I'm wrestling with the wrong guy. What's your name? No, God knows your name. He knows my name. The angel knew Jacob's name. Problem was, Jacob didn't know his name. You see, Jacob is not just a name. The word Jacob means deceiver, manipulator, trickster, deceiver. That's what Jacob had been. He had deceived his own father into getting the blessing. A lot of things Jacob did were all kind of twisted. That's, he was trying to get his own. In fact, when he was born, him and Esau were twins. When he was born, he was grabbing a hold of Esau's heel. He wanted you know, things first. Well, there's a good side to that. But the fact is there was something in Jacob that needed to be changed. And this was the moment. Jacob was left alone. When we're looking... We're all busy and act. Sometimes people like to stay busy because they don't like that alone time because that's when God comes down. And it says that Jacob was left alone. Angel said to him, what's your name? The moment Jacob confessed what he really was, the angel said, now your name is different. Think about that. Change doesn't happen because we work real hard. It's God who works in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's God. Salvation is of the Lord. This whole thing, this whole land of Canaan, exactly these seven nations, God says, are greater. You cannot do it. But when I deliver them up to you one by one, and there was a sequence, there was a way God did this. He didn't say, go in there and conquer it all and get them. Do it. No, he said, when I deliver up a certain nation right before you, that's the time to conquer that specific nation. That's the time to deal with it. That's what God wants to do in our lives. He's showing us stuff. He wants to show us stuff. And if God hasn't had the time to get you alone to show you the stuff, then change can't take place. And we just continue on with the same smell. The moment Jacob said, that's who I am. I'm a trickster. I'm a deceiver. I've done this. I've even used costumes to get what I want. I'm a deceiver. That's what I am. I, I realize it's not Esau that needs to be changed. It's not my circumstances. It's not Laban. It's me. The moment he confessed that, change took place. The reason for preaching the word and preaching the law and preaching what God says is not so we can learn how to be Christians. That's just a ministry like Moses had. They all die in the wilderness that way. But the ministry of speaking the word and letting it change us, that's the one that takes us into the promised land. How many want to go there? Let's all stand. Maybe we could just sing that song one more time here. And let's make it our prayer in closing today. Change we must believe in. It's not an option. It's these experiences, being born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's not like, well, you know, if you get around to it one day. If you want what God wants in your life, you must be born again. You must have that experience of being birthed. 
If you want to go on in your journey, in your Christian life, into the fullness of the new covenant of what God has for you, then you must be baptized. Peter commanded Cornelius to get baptized. It wasn't an option. They had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They had to wait in Jerusalem. Jesus says, don't even do any more preaching. Don't do anything else until you're endued with power from on high because something's got to change in your life. For my church to be built, that's what Jesus was telling them. You need to wait for that experience. And on that day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God came and they all began speaking in tongues. That's for you today. If you've not experienced that, that's for you. It's not an option if you want to go on in your journey. It's necessity. It's part of the gospel. It's part of what God has for us. But let's tell him today, we want change. And maybe just before singing the song, say it one more time with me. Change we must believe in. Change my heart, oh God. Fill me with your spirit. Take away desires that drive me far from you. Whisper from your word. Help my heart to hear it. Fill me with desire to follow you. Change my heart, oh God. Change my heart, oh God. Fill me with your spirit. Take away desires that drive me far from you. Whisper, whisper from your word. Help my heart to hear it. Fill me with desire to follow you. No matter where you lead me, Lord. No matter where you lead me. No matter how I'm tested. I believe you can help me grow. And help me to obey. No matter where you lead me. No matter how I'm tested. I believe you can help me grow and help me to obey. Change my heart, oh God. Fill me with your spirit. Take away desires that drive me far from you. Whisper from your word. Help my heart. Fill me with desire to follow you. Amen, Jesus. Lord, this is a change that we must believe in. It's transformation, metamorphosis. We realize today, Lord, that it's a powerful gospel. It's the power of salvation, of metamorphosis, of transformation, of change to everyone who believes. We must believe, Lord, in what you've provided for us. We thank you for the provision of the new covenant. You're going to write things on our heart, Lord. You're going to put things in our mind, Lord. It's going to be done by your finger, not by the hand of man or by the will of man, but, Lord, the will of God. You that work in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. It's going to be your finger at work in our lives, Lord. But we need those times alone, Lord, to work in our lives, Lord Jesus. We want to change.
We want to be changed from glory to glory into that image, Father. In Jesus' precious name, thank you for blessing your people today, Lord. Keep them, oh God. Keep them by your grace. Move them forward by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.